33. Titled, Who is the Greatest? As they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is God's living word to us. Thank you. With that, let's pray, you guys. Father, thank you for today. It is awesome and what an honor it is to gather with people to open up uh, the word of God and to have it read out loud and then to immediately start thinking things like, wow, what does that mean? What does that look like for me? What does that look like uh, in our world? And what, a, what an awesome thing that we can confidently read your word together and then go into this next section where we're going to teach and communicate what this means. And we can confidently expect that you are going to reveal more of your heart for us, for this world, um, and your plan and your purposes is so cool. Lord, so we just open ourselves up to you. We open our minds and our hearts. We open our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would do a great work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, we just had Karen read one of the sections, but we're going to cover um, a little bit bigger of a passage than that. And um, I was tossed up on message titles today, so I'll give you two. Here's the first one. Who's, who is the goat? Who is the goat, the greatest of all time? I asked a friend this week, I said, who's the greatest um, of all time? Some, some of my friends were, you know, into sports and different things, and they're like, well, greatest what? And so we started and we went down the list. I'm like, well, who's the greatest football player of all time? And everybody knows it's Peyton Manning. That's <laughs> John Elway. Um, no, he's a basketball player. I'm like, who's the greatest basketball player? He's like, oh. And I was going to ask Chris if he was here, but Chris, I don't see Chris today. Chris Crane, he's a baller. But people say, so who's the greatest basketball player? People are MJ, no doubt. You can't, he's, he's the greatest of all time. Um, some would say in soccer, who's the greatest soccer player? Any soccer fans out there? Football, the biggest sport in the world. I saw a graph on the map this week. It's like 80% of the world's surface, soccer is the number one sport. Uh, who's the greatest soccer player of all time? Messi. See, this person said Pele, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, but here's the thing. So we, we think about this, who's the greatest? And, how, and it always comes down to this. How do you know? How do you know who's the greatest? And then here come all the stats. Michael Jordan scored this many points. He won this many games. And then it's all based on accomplishments, what someone has accomplished. Even in individual sports like snowboarding and mountain biking, 
it depends on what you are basing things off of, who's the greatest. Some of the sports that I like the most, it's not so much about accomplishment, but it's more of an artistic vibe, like somebody's style, the way they do something, the way they approach something. You can't measure that as much. It's more of an opinion. But all of these things, a lot of them are based on accomplishment. Earthly greatness can be measured. Things that are great on earth, we measure them. We have things we use to measure them. Stats, mainly. But I want to say to you today that godly greatness can be measured too. We say stuff like, well, God knows my heart, which is true. God knows my motives, which is true. So we don't base results necessarily. Uh, results may not be the correct stat to, uh, to measure. But godly greatness can be measured. And we're going to see in this text today that um, I believe God uses two things to measure greatness. He uses action and attitude. Specifically, we'll see today, service, serving others. In humility, these are two measurable things um, that, that God uses to measure greatness in people. The things we do and the way we act. And lucky for us, when it comes to leadership, the greatest leader the world has ever seen, Jesus stands at the top. Jesus is the goat. Can I get an Amen. He's the greatest leader who has ever been, who currently is, or will ever be. He was the most confident person who ever lived. He said, I am God. Worship me. Give your life to me and watch what I will do with it. Give your life as an act of worship. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. He was confident, yet he was not cocky. There's a difference. He was the most confident person who has ever lived, and he was the most humble person who's ever lived. Look at these verses. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, after he had risen from the dead, which is a big deal. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In another place, he says, I hold the keys to death. He was the most confident person. He had all authority. And then the theme of Mark, which we will see several times, because Jesus didn't mind repeating himself, which is great, because I find myself... It's Mother's Day. We could call it National Who Repeats Themselves the Most Day. Moms, typically. They'd be like, I feel like a broken record. And, but Jesus repeated himself. So, you know, you're doing good, moms. Keep repeating yourself, and, and, and hopefully one day it will stick. Um, there's one of the things that Jesus repeats off, often in the book of Mark. As a matter of fact, it's the theme of the whole book. It's coming up in a couple of chapters. In chapter 10, or in, it's coming up next chapter, Jesus called, uh, Mark 10, 42. Jesus called them together. So the same disciples that he said, all authority has been given to me. He called them together and he says this. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. 
Anyone experience this? But among you, talking about his people, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else, the servant of everyone else. Verse 45, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Who was the goat? Who was the greatest of all time? Jesus is the greatest of all time. So sub, this is what I want to talk, what we want to talk about today. The type of leaders our world needs. The type of leaders that our world needs. Now, if you think about what type of leadership, everyone has an opinion of of how to answer this question. Look at the polarity in which our world is, specifically in our nation. How do we lead? What's the way forward? We all have an opinion about this. We're going to see today what Jesus has to say on the subject. And I'm going to tell you right now, here's the answer. The type of leaders that this world needs are Jesus people. The type of leaders our world needs are Jesus people. People who acknowledge that Jesus is the greatest leader of all time and that his leadership style is the one worth subscribing to because you know that you become like the one you follow. People who have decided and are committed to not being conformed to the world's patterns, but live a life desiring to be transformed by Jesus. This is the type of leaders our world needs. You know why? Because Jesus expects his followers to be great leaders. It's not a hope of his. It's an expectation. Are we? Are we living up to Jesus' expectation with leadership? That's a tough question. We're going to answer it today. I'm, I'm really pumped. And if I could be honest, it's a perfect Mother's Day message. Because the person that I know that embodies these things that we're going to talk about today is serving your children in the back of this building right now. My wife. And I've seen it in many other mothers Because moms exhibit these things that we're going to talk about. So let's do this today. Let's talk about three ways to be a more well-rounded leader. Because Jesus says, or uh, Jesus by his Holy Spirit in the Bible says that his people, that the word of God is sent to make us more complete, more mature. You could say more well-rounded whole people. So according to what we're reading here, now we'll step through the text, we're going to learn how to be a more well-rounded leader by looking at how Jesus leads. So let's read those first few verses again. Mark 9, verses 33 through 37. Excuse me. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, Jesus, who was in the house? Jesus in the house should be a song when they were discussing he says to them what were you discussing on the way nothing like being called out by the Lord but they kept silent 
For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Three ways to be a more well-rounded leader. The first one, learn to lead from the back. We learn to lead from the back. See that verse 35? He sat down, called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. In a group of people, sometimes we have to learn to lead from the back of the group. Can I put it another way for you? Something that's been helpful for me over the years. God won't put you over what he desires to put you over. Until you place yourself under what God has placed over you. Let me say it one more time because it's confusing, but it's awesome. God won't put you over in charge of what he actually has planned to put you over or in charge of. To run, to lead from the front. We'll get there. God won't place you there until you place yourself under what he has placed over you. The nagging boss the system that is broken, the things that are going. We have to learn to lead from the back. We learn by serving. The saying has been, I think a lot about leadership. All the time I'm thinking about what, the world, what, what makes a great leader. Jesus says a great leader is a great, in his economy, is someone who is a great server. Leaders may be born, that person was just born a leader. Well, that's true. But great leaders are developed. You're not born a great leader. Great leadership comes over time. And one of the things is learning to serve others. A trait that I see in my wife and many people. So that's what Jesus says. He says, great leaders seek They look for opportunities to serve under, not rule over. Sounds opposite to many things that are patterned and modeled for us today. Here's why. When you serve others, you stop thinking that you... When you rule over, it's saying, I know what you need. When you serve under, it's saying, show me what you need. You learn what people really need when you serve them. Have you ever noticed that? You might have an opinion on what people need. That kid just needs a swift kick in the, you know, um, boxer briefs. (laughs) Um, But really, maybe what that child needs is a a listening ear. We have all these ideas of how we're going to fix everything, and oftentimes you learn what really needs to happen when you serve someone. Great leaders serve others. And this helps us to show honor to all people. Did you, he, Jesus uses two examples here. Do you see that? He uses a child, 
And in a minute, he's going to use another ministry. So he uses two examples of learning how to lead from the back. He brings a kid in. So a child in first century uh, Judaism, they were around, but they weren't really um, acknowledged. Kind of like the kids in the neighborhood, the pack of wild kids running around. Who are those? That's that pack of wild kids. They're bad news. As opposed to, oh, that's Jonah and Ollie and Hayden and Josh and and these individuals. It's just like that pack. So Jesus pulls a kid in that we'll see later in the uh, coming up real soon. Kids were trying to get to Jesus and the disciples were like, beat it, kid. We got uh, grown up things to do. And Jesus said, don't do that. Actually, the way that kid comes to me, that's how you have to come to me. Childlike faith. So he uses a child, um, someone who with no prominence. Uh, and yeah, someone with no prominence, no social standing, no platform. And then he, he uses another ministry, someone that they actually don't understand. So learning to serve from the back tells us a couple of things. Whoever receives, whoever gives, receives a child like this or gives them a cup of cold water will no, by no means lose their reward, Jesus said. What does that mean? It means that acts of service, no matter how small, are great in Jesus' eyes. Gosh, if, if, if I could say one thing to the moms of this room, before we get into these other two points, or parents or anyone that is trying to honor God with your life and you feel like, I'm just a nobody. I'm just trying to do what's in front of you. Let me just tell you, the, there, here's the voice you need to hear. God's voice saying, I see it. That is awesome. Keep going. Because acts of service to others, no matter how small, are great in the eyes of God. Another thing that serving people, learning to lead from the back, will do, it is the antidote to one of our biggest problems in our world today, which is self-absorption, which is your world just means it just revolves around you. How many times have we tried to tell our kids, the world doesn't revolve around you? And we'll say it harsh to our kids. I don't. You guys probably do. We're trying to teach our kids to live in community, but isn't it so funny that and sometimes in our mind is like, the world doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around me. Don't you know that? And you are messing up my program right now. But when you serve others and you see others' hurts, others' pains, what's going on in someone else's world, it's the direct antidote for self, self-absorbed thinking and living where life revolves around you because you realize whoa, there's a lot more going on than I realize. And we say this sometimes. I've heard this the past couple years. I can't support, uh, because we make everything a platform or some sort of agenda, and so we'll say, well, I can't serve. Jesus may say, servant of all, but I can't serve this thing because here's their agenda. So I'm not going to serve these people. I'm not going to agree with that. Well, that's the problem is we make it a agenda 
we make it a blanket statement about a people group and Jesus sees individuals. And this is something I thought of the past couple years. I'm going to keep with me forever. And it's this. You don't have to understand someone to stand under someone. Like, why does this person, what is going on there? I don't understand. You know what? That's okay because you don't have to understand someone to stand under someone. You can serve someone without promoting something that might even be broken and flawed in their own life. According to Jesus, if you want to lead well, serve well. The second one, learn to lead from the the back. The second one is learn to lead from the middle of the pack. And I got to be honest, as I was studying for this this week, I'm like, this is more than a message, it's a series, but... God, this is a, a, God is doing a really cool thing in our midst, and these are themes that come up over and over and over as we're going through God's word. But let's learn to lead from the middle of the pack. Verse 38. So in response to this, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty Uh, For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon. Well, let me let me read that verse again. But Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Verse 40. For the one who is not against us is for us. Somebody underline that. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Learn to lead from the middle of the pack. This person, so Jesus, the the reason I'm doing all three of these parts of the text is all one conversation. That's why we're doing it all in one message. This is a back and forth between the disciples and Jesus. What are you guys arguing about? They kept quiet. He knew what they were arguing about. Who was the best? Who was the greatest leader is what they were talking about. Whose Christianity matters the most? And how do we know this? Because John said, he's probably trying to prove a point in response to the child and everything. He goes, Jesus, we saw this person casting out a demon. And they weren't with us. They were, so we, um, we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Learn to lead from the middle of the pack. You know what's funny? This person that, they, that the disciples of Jesus were trying to stop was able to do something that they weren't. We just read a couple of chapters ago that they were trying to cast out a demon. Jesus came into a situation. He's like, what's going on? And the father says, Lord, we, I brought my son. He has, a, he has a severe condition brought on by a demon. And I brought him to your disciples and they were trying to cast him out, but they could not. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, how much we were talking about prayer, remember? And, but this guy was able to do it. And they were like, no, he must be bad because we're the legit ones. We're the 12th. And we're with Jesus. He must be using bad means to do And Jesus says, don't stop him. If he's not against us, he's for us. There's a lesson here. 
the person did what the disciples were unable to do, and they immediately created a comparison. If I've said it once to myself, I've said it a thousand times, and let this morning be a thousand and one. Comparison is the thief of joy. You want something to steal the joy away from your life? Let me tell you, I could preach a message. If you want to be miserable, compare yourself to other people. Let's flip the script on that and make it a more positive sounding message. If you want to be filled with joy, look to the Lord. Don't worry about comparison will rob you of joy. And we've become a culture. I'm about to preach now. We've become a culture that is really good at celebrating people's failure. The slap heard around the world. The... We're, it, we, it, I've heard a term for it recently that it's like, dang, but it's, it's the way we celebrate watching people fall. I hate watching people fail. I can't even watch the audition, the American Idol audition videos, the bad ones, the good ones I love. I cry. I was showing Steph one the other day, and she's like, I don't know why you like this so much. This person, it, this dude was awesome. He was just a nobody from nowhere. And he had a chance, and he sang his heart out, and it was epic. And I was, just, and he did, was doing it to show his little girl that if you just put yourself out there and you put your heart into something, maybe stuff is possible, you know. And I'm like bawling, <laughs> and Steph's just like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I don't know." But we love watching. It seems watching people fail. That shows me a diagnostic of what is going on on the inside of people. We've become real good at celebrating people's failures, and we have become not so good at celebrating people's wins. The thing is, it's not new to us. It's been going on a long time. It was happening right here. Bless you. Leading from the middle of the pack, what does that look like? It is being actively part of something bigger than yourself. When you're in the middle, you're not at the front, you're not at the back. You're just part of something bigger. But according to Jesus, that's perfect position for leadership. You can lead from the middle of the pack. You don't have to be on the top. How do you do that? How do you lead from the middle of the pack? Well, two things. First one, get in the mix with other people. This talks about having a shared mission. Jesus said, if he's not against us, he's for us because no one who's going to do something in my name is going to go and talk smack about who I am. They're trying to do what you're trying to do. They're trying to live for me in their time, in their context. Jesus was aware of all the things, but the disciples weren't. They're just aware of theirs because they are like us. They're self-absorbed. They're looking at what their world looks like, what their life looks like their failures, their successes. But live, this talks about, this is why we talk about being in com, a community context. And our, our definition of community can be skewed because we were like, yeah, I sat in this room with other people. That's community. No, community is seeing the kids that run around your neighborhood, not as a ragtag group of kids, but as individuals with names and backstories and parents and and the reality is we think that we live connected because you have a thousand or, you know, 
a few hundred Facebook friends or Instagram followers or people that, but you're not connected there. We're talking about community. Shared mission is living in community with other people. People who know your name, who know your life. You don't have to like throw it all out there, but there's, there's crossover. Getting in the mix. And this fights against entitlement and competition. Living with other people, seeing what other people are going on. This, this, if you want to, if you struggle with comparing yourself to other people, I would say get close to other people. Comparison keeps you far away where you can celebrate losses and your wins look maybe bigger or better than they are. But when you get close to other people, there's a lot more crossover. And the other thing is learning how to celebrate other people's wins, showing honor to other people, other churches, the body of Christ. Now, there's two problems with getting close to other people and celebrating other people's wins. So let's talk about those before we move to the last point. The problem is this. You will see things that other people are good at that you may not be good at. So when you get close to people, it actually can hurt more at the beginning because you see success that someone else is having and maybe that you're not experiencing when you want to and you get close and you actually see they're really good at that and I'm not. So it actually can cause the adverse effect of what Jesus is talking about. It can cause you to want to distance yourself more. Um, That's a hard thing when you see something that someone else is good at that you're not. We'll just leave that hanging there for a second. The other problem is this. What if you don't agree with their way of doing it? You're telling us to celebrate other people's successes, but what if I don't agree with the way they're doing it? They didn't agree with something about the way that this guy was doing something. And especially in the day and age of, I'm going to call it church shopping, the great shuffle that has happened in the past couple of years that is continuing um, to where, uh, but not just with churches, we're looking at just culturally, jobs, geographical locations. It's not just that people are like, oh, maybe now's a good time to check out another church or this, which is great. That's fine. Let the shuffle happen. But when the dust settles about getting replugged in, but people are moving There's a great migration happening right now. Um, So what if you don't agree with the way that other people do it? You know what? Those are two very real problems, and I'm not going to answer them because I don't think that you're ever going to get everybody to do things the same way. And I don't think that I can sit here and tell you the answer to... um, why some with someone else may be gifted in an area that you want to be gifted in and that I'm trying to put this like how I experience it because I don't just teach it I'm not just a hair club president client I'm all I'm also the president I don't know, however that goes I'm doing this stuff and it affects me too so when you see stuff that is seeing success in other areas it's easy to be like how are they doing that 
What's going on? What do they do that's better than what do we do? You know, that whole comparison that happens. And I felt like the Lord really spoke to me and says, lean in there. Surround yourself with those people. Be in the mix with them. Celebrate their wins. And so as I do that, those problems don't go away. But when you learned, but I felt like God was calling me to learn to lead from the middle. And so some of the, here's what I'm think, seeing. Those things don't go away, but the good far outweighs the bad when you get close and you lean in and you learn how to celebrate success in other people's lives. Here's why. Over time, number one, you will start to see what you're good at. Maybe you're not supposed to be like that person. But when we spend our lives looking at everyone else, we don't even learn how to be good versions of us. Because we're so like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be like. Oh, that's what I'm supposed to be like. And the reality is that's not who you're supposed to be like. But if you stay distant and don't step in and learn from other people, some of that stuff doesn't happen. We learn from other people when we serve alongside them. Maybe there is something God is calling you to do. And there are some skills that you need to learn. But you can't learn them from a distance. If there are people in your life that you um, see what they're doing and it speaks to you, take a step in there. That brings humility. That, guess what? That person might be younger than you. They might be a millennial. Millennials are old now. They might be a Gen Zer. They might, be, they might be younger than you in age and experience. Did you know that it's okay to step into the mix and learn something there? They might be your parents' age, and you may not have a good relationship with your parents. Those older people aren't your parents. Did you know that by stepping in, there is wisdom and experience that you can learn that will sharpen your skill set? for what God is calling you to do. That's why being in the mix with other people, celebrating other people's wins. Who celebrates wins better than parents to their kids, oftentimes, or close friends? Your kid, you know, kicks a soccer ball. When, they're, when they're, they walk, you're like, yeah, like celebrating the wins of someone else. You're not looking to get anything back from that. It's just a heartfelt celebration. Okay. We learn from people when we learn to serve alongside them. And then with leading from the middle, let me make this last point. We'll move to the last one. When we learn to celebrate other people's wins, when we learn to serve alongside others, here's something that I have found, I think that you will find or have found as well. You're, you will find that you're not called to do everything. You're simply to called to do what you can with what you have. When you lead from the middle, there's sort of like this commonality, average thing. You're not the great one setting the precedent going forward. And you're not the person at the back um, you're just right in the middle with everyone else. And it kind of gives this like, you know, I don't know how much um, 
uh, effect I'm going to have on the world from the middle point. You know what? You're not supposed to have an effect on the whole world, just on the people around you. Great leadership happens in the middle when you're just in the mix. That's why at the bridge, with our whole mission statement, it really, um, with gather, grow, give, our intention is to allow the Holy Spirit to develop us from serving, being in the mix, and the one that we'll get to last. The whole point is this. When you're in the mix, when you're in the middle, you move from being a consumer to a contributor. We need more contributors in our world. We need less consumer. Consumer is the pervasive uh, mentality of the day. We consume so much content every single day. Some of it good, some of it bad, but it's this heart thing that's like, this is what we do. We take stuff in, we take stuff in, we take stuff in. That's how we do. So you show up to church, take, a, take some more stuff in, leave, go do something else, take more stuff in. And what, what being in the mix, leading from the middle is, is stop taking stuff in and start giving stuff out. We move from con- the consumer mentality to the um, community mentality or the um, contributing mentality. So gather for us, grow, and then give. It's moving us from consumers to contributors. Okay, last but not least. We've learned to lead from the back, the middle of the pack, and now the one that we all want to talk about, and that's learning to lead from the front. Because there are things, you guys, as we are being transformed by the word of God and the grace of God, there are certain things that God is going to call us to go first in. What are those things? Inquiring minds want to know. There are certain things that God is calling us to stay ahead of the curve. He wants to show us by his word, by serving with other people, by his spirit, areas that we're going to go first and pave the way. So what are they? Let's pick it up in verse 42. Jesus still talking, and it seems like he almost switches, switches up the topic here a little bit, but it fits right in. Verse 42, so he's, and then he goes back to talking about the child. Whoever causes one of these little ones, so he's talking about the child, and John's like, hey, we saw this guy, what's up with that? And Jesus says, be in the mix, lead from the middle, celebrate other people's wins. And then he comes back to the child, and he says, whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me, to sin, It would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Wow. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is better to you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Underline that. Salt is good. Circle that. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? And then this last part. 
Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now that is a lot of stuff packed into that one little thing, but it fits perfectly with what we're talking about. The key to what Jesus is saying here is found in this, those, that last sentence, worth underlining. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now, this has been one of those scriptures that gets taken kind of out, uh, you know, people can take it and run with it all sorts of crazy directions. But let me just tell you, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's talking to his followers. He's, this isn't like a public thing. He's sitting with the 12 and he's talking to them. He's talking to them about who's the greatest. That's what they were arguing about. He shows them a child. He says, great people serve nobodies. He shows them someone else doing something. He says, great people celebrate greatness in others. Great leaders celebrate greatness in others. And then this whole part comes around, and he's telling us there are things that you're going to have to do that hurt. What is God calling us to go first in? Well, we all have issues. Am I right or am I right? It says in here, we will all be salted with fire. There's a lot of, when you jump into this and read, it's kind of, there's a lot of stuff of what people are saying this could be saying. You know that there's things in the Bible that a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, I don't exactly know totally what that means, but here we can take in context of what Jesus is talking about, what's going on. Salted with fire. When you salt, you sprinkle it on. Do you ever feel like sin and hardships sometimes just sort of get sprinkled on as you're just walking through life? All of a sudden you're like, ah, this is hard. This hurts. Where did that come from? Why is this going on? Or what about temptation? Things that you don't like about yourself that you feel that your body wants to to give into, it sort of like sprinkles on and next thing you know, you feel the heat. We all have things that tempt us. We have things that eat at us and that are never satisfied. Where it says the worm that is never satisfied, the fire that is never quenched. One of the things that as I've grown as a man and as a leader that I realize This is for everybody. You can look like you're a sinner or you can look like you're a saint. Everybody has issues. Everybody has temptation. Everybody has things that within them that if not given to the control of God and actively pursuing a relationship with Jesus that draw us away and that are bad. Bad for us, bad for those around us. There are things that never say enough. So how can we lead from the front when, if we're honest, we struggle with these things just like everybody else? Well, the common way to lead from the front when you are have issues yourself is to ignore your issues. How many parents in here have said this to your kids? 
Don't worry about what I be doing. You do this. Or it was said to me, do as I say, not as I do. I was told that. We point out the sin in others' lives and simultaneously bury ours further down into our own hearts. All the while, Jesus says, it causes us to lose our saltiness. And if this is the way we lead, we lose the very thing that Jesus promised would be our effect in the world, the salt. Salt is good. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But when we are sprinkled and there is sin and we bury it down, when we go to lead, we lose our effect and we become another platform, another loud voice, a movement that is void of heart and the spirit of God. Jesus said, even though we experience all this stuff, we can have salt in ourselves and be at peace with one another. So what does leading from the front look like? I put it like this. Leading from the front is self-analysis and commitment to personal growth. When Jesus was talking about hand, foot, eye, the things that you do, the places you go, the things that you see, if there is an issue here, take drastic measures. He's talking surgical, not mutilation. Surgical precision, self-analysis, and commitment to personal growth. Now, you take what is said here, and then you follow it throughout the, the New Testament, and you'll see this word come up a lot, training. So, Cutting your hand off, it's not like mutilation. It's more like training. Let me read you a passage of someone who was dealing with this in their own life in a very real way, and he was a pastor, so I can relate to him. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read this to you guys. This is Paul talking to this young pastor, Timothy, who was dealing with stuff in his own heart. He was wondering if it was going to mess with his effectiveness. This is what Paul said to him. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. So he's saying, you want to lead from the front? This is what it looks like. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn from them. Do not let anyone think you are less because you are young. Could I add, inexperienced, immature, don't know as much. But be an example to all believers. Go first in what you say, in the way you live, your love, your faith, and your purity. 
until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, leading from the middle, and teaching them. Do not neglect the, neglect the spiritual gift received through um, prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you. Verse 15, here's the kicker. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the tasks. Here's the hard part. So that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. He told him, go first. We think leading from the front means always saying the right thing, but according to Jesus, it's focusing on being the right thing. It's not so much saying the right stuff, it's being the right stuff. Parents, it's not so much getting your kids to do the right thing, it's being the right thing. Because we become like those that we follow. Every stuff you listen, parenting, stuff I'm listening to, talking about things like screen, how much time your kids spend on your screens, if that's an issue. Every single time when they survey the kids, they're like, what would you like us to tell your parents? And the kids say, tell them to put their phone down. You know, and you're like, ouch. But that's what kids are, that's what we are, we pattern after what we're patterned after. That makes sense. We go first. The second thing about being leading from the front, you got to go exposed. You go first, you go exposed. Did you see what Paul told Timothy? Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. When you throw yourself entirely into a life of faith, guess what? You don't exactly know what you're doing. And you're going to fail and you're going to learn and it's going to be visible. It's not about saying the right thing. It's about being the right thing. You go first. You put yourself out there. And then you go again. It's a daily training. Because there's nothing harder than putting yourself out there and then getting stomped on for it. You try to put yourself out there and you serve someone. You come alongside. You're, you're trying to grow. You say things like, I don't know everything. Here's where I'm at in my understanding right now. And then you take a step forward and you just become a target. And when people shoot you in the back, the first thing we do is we're like, never again. I will never put myself out there again because every time I do, people celebrate my failure. But the great leader, according to Jesus, is someone that will get up the next day, go do it again. Kind of like a mom. You know, I've had so many conversations with my wife at the end of a day about something that we felt like we didn't do very good. But you don't, you can't quit. The next day you're going to get up and do it again and by God's grace, because Jesus isn't measuring perfection, he's me measuring availability, we can do it again. It's a daily training. This is the type of leader our world needs. All right, let me finish it. I listen to all of this stuff. I read this. I'm communicating this. But I actually, when I look at you, I actually believe this. 
I believe that each of you, whether you're in eighth grade, ninth grade, whether you run a company, whether you're part of a staff at school, I actually believe there are areas in your life that God is saying, I want you to lead from the back here. I want you to just serve this person. There are areas where it's saying, actually lead from the middle here. Don't worry about Don't worry about being the serving person. Don't worry about saying the right thing. Just be in the mix. Understand who you're serving with. And there are areas that God is saying, now go first. I'm not ready. You'll never be ready. Just go. And the areas that he's calling you to go first is personal walk with him. We sang that song this morning, um, that middle song. What was that one called? Uh, I Need You. The story about why that song was written is heavy. A person was really struggling with sin in their own life. And that that song was a response. He went first. He just focused on being the child of God, not telling others how to live. And so since I think all of that stuff, and I have the honor and the responsibility of trying to pastor and lead a church, All of this stuff is like, well, what kind of church are we going to be? We're always trying to figure out how do we best serve as many as we can. How do we say no matter where we're at, we have things to learn? And how do we also say God is asking us to go first? We, We bring it down to we are a gathering church, a growing church, and a giving church. Gathering means we get behind as many as we can. We, we, we bring people, come, yes, you, but what if I'm, you come. We are a growing church. Growing is always learning. We're disciples. We have things to learn. I have things, so many things to learn. And you know what? I can't do it by myself. I actually need you guys. I need my family, my community. I may be called to go first from up here, and sometimes that's what we think leading is. It's like the person who stands, and there is an aspect to it, but it's not not the only thing. So there is a giving, there are a a growing. We all have things to learn about God, ourselves, and others. And then there is a giving. We think giving is a response. No, it's leading. We give ourselves. We throw ourselves entirely into the work that God has called us. And people are going to see you're not perfect, but they're going to see that you're all in. And so that's what we try to be. If it's a perfect picture, we're a gathering people, a growing people, we're a giving people. And that's what we're just going to continue to do. Sometimes we'll lead from the front, sometimes from the back. Like the old rap song says, I got front and back and side to side. If anyone gets that, High fives after church. Um, okay, that's all I got for today. Um, you guys are the type of leaders our world needs. The type of leaders that our world needs aren't going to be voted in right now. They're street-level people. We're going to keep voting. We're going to keep praying for our leadership. But the leadership that we need is not legislation, it's transformation. You guys know that? And it comes by the Holy Spirit, not from a governmental system. And Jesus looked at his 12, and he said, what are you guys arguing about? They're arguing about greatness. And he was like, let me teach you something about greatness. 
Jesus is the greatest of all time. We'll never match him. But did you know that according to him, you are the greatest of our time? For such a time as this, this is the people that he has in place, and it's us. And that's a heavy responsibility, but it's the sweetest honor. Okay, I know I went long. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that you have more for us. We have come so far. We still have so far to go. We have, we will, um, we haven't arrived yet, but we can look back and see how far you've brought us. There's this amazing sense that look at what you're doing and look at what you want to do. Lord, I want to pray over these people in this room. This is just one like little sample size of your body that is all across the world. But you would say this, no matter where we are, no matter what church, no matter what denomination, no matter what geographical location, you would look and you would say, greatness is serving, greatness is belonging, and greatness is leading. You are the greatest. You are the greatest, Jesus. So we look at this and we see things that we can do, but it really just draws our attention to who you are. So Lord, would you plant these things on our heart? May we think about them as we leave from here. But more than anything, could it just make us think about how you lead from the front? You went places that no other person will ever go. You went to death on our behalf. You included more people than any anybody ever did you said bring them to me you're the best lord may we represent your heart in our world in jesus name amen stand and respond